Welcome to Start Now, a conversational podcast which discusses topical issues designed to get people to think about the challenges occurring in the world around us and how each of us can be a part of positive, transformative change. Start Now is meant to be informative and engaging while encouraging and motivating people to start where they are and with the resources they have to make a difference in their communities and in the worlds around them. Let's start now. Hey everybody, welcome to Start Now. We are so excited that you have joined us for today's conversation. In our episode today, we are going to be looking at trauma, what it is, and how do we begin to heal as a start to being able to really live our best life. But first, introductions. I am your host, Armani Ray, and today with our guest, we have joining us Miss Zoe Seegers, a licensed mental health counselor with Ray of Hope Counseling. We also have Dr. Cicely with us with Psychotherapy and Empowerment, and then we have Miss Brandy Durham, JD, mother, actress, everything phenomenal and extraordinaire, and CEO of Durham Legal Services. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us for today's conversation. I think Kennedy is mad I didn't introduce her. Kennedy, thank you for joining us as well. <laughs> and I just want all of our listeners and viewers to know this is a count and a testament that as a woman, you can do anything, be a mother, and still be awesome. Again, we are so excited. Yes, women power that you all are here today. So thank you again. So let's jump right in. We know that mental health in our nation is a big deal. According to the National Institute for Mental Health, one in five Americans suffers from some form of mental illness. So when we look at those statistics and we look at the rate of individuals who are seeking help and treatment for anxiety and depression, we look at the youth and how mental health among our youth is worsening. What are some things that like cause trauma? What is trauma and what does that mean? Dr. Cicely, we'll start with you. What is trauma? That's it's it's somewhat of a loaded question, but at its core, trauma is just anything that can cause a distressing response in the individual. You know, so so often we think of our military folks who've seen active combat. Yes, that certainly is trauma. But trauma can also be verbal in nature. It can be chronic verbal abuse that happens in the home. It can be physical for sure. It can be spankings that go way beyond anything that should ever be used or referred to as discipline. It can be slaps. It can be pushing. Trauma can also be neglect. Out having needs met, uh, emotional needs, physical, medical needs, all of those can be seen as trauma. Trauma can happen and be experienced even by babies who are still in the womb. So any of the things that I just mentioned, and I'm sure that that, that is certainly not an all-inclusive list, but, but yeah, anything that can cause distress in an individual, it can be considered as trauma. And I think it's interesting too, because when you say the word trauma, some people look at it in its most severe sense of the word and they think, oh, right. well, trauma is just like getting into like a major car accident and sustaining mm -hmm. major injuries. And some people will be like, oh no, trauma is when I get my hair cut and color the wrong way you know and so I think you have those different levels so can all of that stuff like what what is that spectrum Zoe? Well I think trauma has kind of been thrown around a lot in society and people talk about being tra 
traumatized by their hair being cut too short or by breaking a nail or something like that. Like I, I might have said one time or two that I was traumatized by like a giant cockroach or something, but trauma in and of itself is not, is not something mild or moderate like that. Trauma is more so when you're the very fiber of your being is threatened, like your safety, your life is in danger or threatened. One other type of trauma that I uh, wanted to, to bring up that in addition to what you mentioned, Cicely, was the vicarious trauma. And they talked a lot about that, especially with September 11th and a lot of therapists, you know, offering counseling services and, and counseling people who were there at the forefront and witnessed a lot of really traumatic things and processing that with a lot of therapists and therapists after that reporting, being traumatized vicariously, having to process those really traumatic events with those people. And so sometimes you're not even there to experience it yourself, but having to be exposed to it, processing with someone else can be traumatizing. So it, it does come in many forms and shapes, but it's more about, you know, like having to deal with something very threatening, very dangerous, very extreme fight or flight type thing. Okay. And I think that actually is a great segue into our next question on what are some misconceptions people have about trauma? Because honestly, I didn't even realize about vicarious trauma. So, you know, I think that was brilliant to be able to, you know, inform viewers and listeners about that. So what are some other misconceptions about it? Are there certain misconceptions like, oh, well, uh, women experience it more or, you know, Um, men don't experience it at all. Like, so what are some things that people think, you know, only this particular person can be traumatized. You can only be traumatized, you know, if you've been, you know, like Cicely was saying, like in a war or a a victim of abuse. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it is very individualized. I mean, again, so it can be like really upsetting, of course, like if your hair is cut too short or you find a giant road tree (laughs) waiting for you in your bathroom (laughs) or something that can be very like, you, you know, you describe it as traumatic, but like, is your life in danger? No. And so it is very individualized. And someone gave the example of like, there were two women and one had been like outright sexually assaulted and another had been maybe groped in a crowd or on a bus or something like that. And the one that had been groped was very, grabbed the event was very traumatic for her. She was very afraid. Maybe she was in a public place, couldn't get to safety. Maybe she felt trapped in that situation and maybe like developed agoraphobia because of it and, you know, couldn't, couldn't go out by herself anymore. And it was very, very traumatic. And the other lady who was, you know, sexually assaulted and it was like an acquaintance, like a, maybe like a date rape or something like that. And, it, and she was upset about it, but she didn't describe it as traumatic. And so it is very, you know, individualized that way. Like just because you are sexually assaulted doesn't mean you, you'll describe feeling traumatized. Just because you were deployed, you know, to a war zone doesn't mean you will be traumatized. My, my dad was in Vietnam and he was like the most calm, cool, collected person in the world. And I was like, how did you do that? <laughs> he was like, it's just my nature. Yeah, so, I actually you know. was going to say. So it's, if it's individual, like where is that resiliency factor? Almost like what makes one person be so traumatized though somebody can experience something truly traumatic and not feel those effects? I mean, is there any sort of repression? Are they putting it away somewhere or is it just how they're made up? They do say there is a biological component that some people are more susceptible to trauma and they're based on how their limbic system is and like their fight or flight response. And some people are more subject to feeling traumatized than others. And it is like a, a biological thing, but I don't think that they've like pinpointed it. I don't think that they can say, okay, yes, you will be traumatized. No, you won't be. They can't like differentiate that way. You know, and I think that's really interesting too, because do you also feel that it could be situational? And so an example would be last summer I was overseas and my phone was stolen in Spain. I was getting off the Metro and I'm thinking, oh yeah, I got my phone close to me, this, that, whatever. Pickpockets obviously are brilliant. Still ended up getting my phone and I felt it come out. But all of a sudden there was this rush of people, of course. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I lost my phone. Like I was traumatized. 
guys because I'm in this foreign country. I was with one other person. You know, I don't have any way of getting in touch with somebody now. I literally was like about to have a breakdown. But then it's like being in an abusive relationship with somebody who was mentally and verbally abusive and emotionally abusive. I was like, oh, okay, you're not going to treat me that way. I'm out. You know, and so it's interesting your different reactions, I guess you could say. Can I piggyback to what you said before they answer the question? From a legal standpoint, let's say a personal injury accident, right? Someone gets hurt. Well, 20 years ago, they had a broken arm or something when they were a kid, but then they get in, into this car accident and not only break the arm, but the bone shatters and something happens where whatever was hurt previously was made worse. So the person who's at fault can be liable for making worse something that had already happened. So I think that kind of ties into what Armani said about bringing up something that, that happened in the past could possibly trauma very subjective, basically. It's not as objective. Mm, as, yeah, that's, that's a good question. What do you I, think, I Cicely? No, I agree 100% that, that there's a lot, there's a level of subjectivity when you talk about trauma because we all are wired differently and there are certainly some biological markers. There's some heritability estimates that say if what you inherit from your parents, if you have bloodline where there has been much more susceptibility, you are more likely to respond. You have to take into consideration that environmental exposure can also increase your likelihood to be traumatized in certain situations. So one person, you can have four people in a car and there's a car accident and it could be in, you know, factors like, are you sitting in the car when the accident occurs? Have you been in an accident before? Did you maintain consciousness? All of these different factors can then affect whether or not those four people, how they respond. And it's likely they'll have four different types of response. And maybe one person will have a response that, that does reflect as trauma, where they have flashbacks, where they don't feel comfortable getting back into a car. Or if they do ride in a car, they have to sit in a particular seat. They can't sit, you know, where they were sitting when they were in the accident. So there are all kinds of responses and factors that contribute to those responses. So when you mention resiliency, that certainly can be a part of it. Some of us are just wired in such a way that we can go through something really catastrophic and walk away and, you know, kind of shake it off. But some of us would go through the same event and have the flashbacks, not be able to go near the space where it happened again. So it is very, very individualized. It's very subjective. If you're, if you witness your parents, their response, like how do they respond to things? Do they cope well? Do they freak out? Do you have a chance to develop coping skills? What have you learned? And how do you learn to cope? That'll have a bearing on like what you experience as trauma. But yeah, it's definitely, definitely very situational. And, and talking about your, like with your phone being stolen. So that was like probably very traumatic. Cause if you'd been like in, you know, at home, you know, in Florida, you wouldn't be freaking out. You'd be like, you'd be mad. Right. <laughs> you'd probably try to chase them down or something, but you know, but you'd be easily- No, I mean, I probably would <laughs> <laughs> you could easily get another one, but you know, being in a foreign country, you don't speak the language, you don't know anybody, you're like stranded in, even in a, mm -hmm. you know, a fully populated city. So that could be very, I can see what that could be very, very traumatic. Whereas, you know, if you've been at home, it wouldn't be the same. You wouldn't have had the same type of feeling. Right. Yeah. Because it was like, you know, being in Spain and then having to get back and go to England because I still wasn't done, you know, with what I was doing, like the reason I was over there. So yeah, you know, and I was a mess. I was crying, girl. I was ugly crying too. Mm -hmm. Not even like the cute. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think um, both uh, Cicely and Zoe, you brought up very good points about the resiliency and the coping, and I want to get back to that, but because I also want to touch on the environmental factors that you were talking about, I kind of want to transition into that first. So COVID, pandemic, there is so much stress and anxiety going on. So we already know that people who have been seeking treatment for anxiety and depression, it has skyrocketed. You have social isolation going on, you know, because of the social distancing. So 
what are some of the things that people are experiencing now and how can our environment play a role in the trauma that we experience? Well, it's kind of, um, again, kind of situational because some people, I don't know if you, you probably have seen those memes where people talk about like they started when the pandemic started or the, the social distancing or isolation or quarantining started. People were like, this is like my jam. Like that. I feel like I've won the lottery. This is what I've been doing all along anyway. Why can't everyone else? Season. <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, I've already been doing this. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have the flip side of that where people are, oh my gosh, like just not coping well because like your life is is like your life is the same essentially, but it, it, there's a very different component. And you can't just up and go where you want when you want. You can't spend time with friends and family. Now people talking about having virtual Thanksgiving and, and things like that. And there's been a huge Huge increase in you know just like you said anxiety and stress and anger and people in my practice I've seen coming in saying like you know I'm I'm angry I'm upset I can't sleep I'm not you know and I just don't know why and I, I've been calling it myself I call it the the pandemic syndrome because that's what keeps happening like everybody is kind of at a loss and there's no end in sight and even the 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 vaccine that's coming everyone's not just you know gung-ho about taking that you know so there's no resolve and it's, it's very hard to hear about people passing away from the you know from COVID and and, and even even if it's somebody close to you or not, it's still like very jarring because you don't know like is it am I next? Is my mom next? Is my loved one next? And it's just you don't have any way to cope because you don't have anything to compare it to. You everyone here today has never been through a pandemic before, not like this anyway. And you know there's you don't have a reference point. You, it's hard to cope. So everyone's kind of doing it the best way they can. I don't know that it's providing the the relief or like resolve that people are really looking for. The pandemic has presented numerous challenges. It's not just losing loved ones because obviously that that's huge. It, that in and of itself will rock somebody's and shake their world. But it's also people who are becoming unemployed. Now they're stressed out because they don't know how they're going to feed their families. It's that stress because I don't have enough food to feed my families because I'm not working or because of impacts that our farmers are being felt and stuff like that. So I feel like it's just compounded and exacerbated, you know, in the sense because you're losing loved ones. And then heaven forbid, if you lost a loved one and you lost your job. So talk to us a little bit on how people can cope with things like that. I know that it's very difficult when this you were saying earlier that some people just have this natural resiliency what about people who don't have that natural resiliency how do we help ourselves cope if we don't have that reference point like Zoe was saying uh, how do we begin to start to even be okay with what's going on if that makes sense one of the first steps that may seem like well duh but it it it, it may not be easily accessible is to be okay acknowledging what you're feeling so often we especially when you're accustomed to providing for your family, when you're accustomed to having the job and being responsible, when those options are no longer present or when it's changed, you may feel like I just got to keep going. I've just got to keep pushing and, and those kinds of things. But that can actually make depression or anxiety and some other mental health challenges worse. It can put more stress, you know, tax your body, tax your immune system even more. So acknowledging that this is different, that it's scary and that you need help. And that's one of the things that I think come out of this whole pandemic is the notion that needing help is a weakness. We now know that it absolutely is not. It's actually a strength when you both know that you need help and can seek out resources or support folks who can actually offer that help. People also, it's one of the things that's also happened is, again, connected with being employed and having all of these responsibilities that 
be fulfilled. People are needing to kind of redefine themselves and realize that I am still a whole healthy person without having this job, without making a certain amount of money, without having these material or other tangible things to show. So it's it's kind of a, a two-sided coin where people are having more time to sit at home and do some reflection and re-identify their strengths and develop some affirmations, which is always a good thing. But on the other side, there's more time at home where you are thinking, where you are reflecting, and that can also make people feel questionable. They have questions about decisions that they've made in the past. If I had done this, maybe I would not have done that. So talking it out loud with someone is always a good thing. All of the Zooming that people are doing, I know we hear all the jokes. However, I'm telling you, it can be a lifeline. It can be a lifeline in a, at a time when going out and being in person with people may not be an option. So. Yeah, and I think that's such a valuable point too, because I remember, and for our listeners and viewers, when I saw all my friends back on the screen, I just wanted to like hug my computer, you know? <laughs> and so you don't realize how much you miss your friends until you see their faces, you hear their voices, how comforting that is, how much security that can provide you. And um, so you actually made a great point. I wanted to transition into Brandy and, and see what are some stresses that you are seeing, you know, some of your friends experiencing what are maybe you experiencing because Brandy and I were talking earlier about our identities and about how sometimes people can use one thing to identify them say oh I'm a mom Mm -hmm. but wait you're more than that you're a mom you're an attorney you're this you're that and so how do we make sure one that we're still maintaining our own individual sense of who we are even when we're feeling stressed but two what are some things that you're seeing you know your friends experiencing and how are you using that to help kind of like a two-part question well I can speak personally first I know that I experienced a lot of anxiety at the beginning of COVID. Uh, We're talking about COVID just because there were just so many unknowns. And I think my biggest issue was not being able to provide I never lost my job. I actually, money was not an issue the entire time for me, but when people were buying up all the toilet tissue and paper towels and it was <laughs> frenzy, you know, I was like, yeah. what are they doing? And because in, in response to other people's actions, I started having a lot of anxiety because I said, am I not going to be able to, to eat? And then people like me, I'm a, I'm a big sci-fi person. So I grew up on the, the Walking Dead, you know, <laughs> doomsday all of that so, so you were thinking everything like <laughs> the power goes out i need to make sure i have yeah. this and that. <laughs> i mean it was it was just the worst experience for me because there was about a month where i was buying everything that i needed in case you know power went out in case the food disappeared. I don't eat, can't eat healthy. I don't necessarily eat out of can, but I, I have canned food here now. I mean. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, oh my gosh. So it was the same. So um, our, for our listeners and our viewers, everybody, all of our guests are from Florida. We don't all live in Florida now, but we're all, you know, from Florida. And so hurricane season is everything. We all know, like, if you're a real Floridian, if you get scared about hurricanes and you start like stocking up, like, yes, what, what, wait, what category is this? Like, we don't freak out until it gets to be a certain category but yes brandy like all the toilet paper was gone and i'm like well dang yeah i'm not freaking out but i need to get some toilet i'm not about to be without no toilet paper i need toilet paper and then like the napkins disappeared and then the coffee filters disappeared right right <laughs> what are you using the coffee filters for exactly but i'm like i even started buying tissues in bulk and i don't even buy tissues because i'm like there was no toilet paper there's no nothing and yep. scared and that can even cause more stress and 
anxiety. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So after getting through that, and, and you know, I didn't want to become a person where I guess maybe the, the professionals could speak on, on this. Like, could this have manifested if I kept it going until me having to get a diagnosis of some sort of paranoia type thing, you know? Because there are people who like use those aluminum foil hats and stuff. And in the law, you deal with them too. You know, they, they always think that somebody's watching them or, or something like that. And I was like, I got to stop before I become one of those people, right? So I think once we got through the initial shock of everything, I can say that um, for the most part, many of my friends and, and myself included became very introspective because we had the time. And I'm I'm always out. I'm an introvert, but I'm an extrovert. So I'm always out doing stuff, organizing, something like that. To be in the house and just to be forced to be in the house and to be forced to just sit and think about things and in your life. Oh my gosh. I think that this period actually, on top of all the stress, actually did a lot of good in that way because we were actually forced to just be still. And I got, I feel like I got to know my son in a different way because he's all, I'm always at work. He's always at school. We see each other at night for a couple hours, do homework and go to bed. But to be forced to be, (laughs) forced to be in the house with my child all that time, we talked about different things and just to, you know, know what's going on in the six-year-old, seven-year-old mind. So I think that was really the biggest thing. I I cut my hair, I dyed it, you know, something that I've been wanting to do for 10 years, I did it. So I feel like I I got a sense of another identity of who Brandy really became or is. I got to get in touch with her during the COVID season. And so my friends did the same thing, some of them. So I don't know, doctors, do you think that's, was that normal? (laughs) Do I I need a procedure? (laughs) We're getting free counseling right now, y'all. Like, were we supposed to do that? I know. Brandy, I think you bring up such a great point because in our society, people are so used to going, 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 always beyond, always on a device, always doing this, always do that. So when families force to spend more time together, it's almost like, oh, you got to be forced to spend time together. But it's like, wait, it brought so many people closer together. You know, people who you normally wouldn't pick up the phone and talk to. Now, all of a sudden, you have a conversations for hours. And we even saw how our world started healing just climate-wise through the environment. And so I think it is interesting that you said, is that normal? Because we have gotten to such a place where when did it become abnormal to talk and engage with your family? So it's really interesting. And so when we look at healing from all that, ladies, where does healing start? So first, let's talk about why healing is important. And then how does that start? So we'll go with you first. Well, kind of going back to, I forget who said it, but acknowledging that there's a problem first, is that, or acknowledging that you feel this way, you know, because people, a lot of times people don't want to admit to, or seek out help, but if they know they're not feeling like themselves, they know they're sad or angry or whatever, but they just don't feel comfortable admitting it or like seeking professional help or like don't not like the first step as far as like going you know as far as addressing it so that's the thing and I think and going back to the the whole phenomenon of like us being forced to sit and kind of be with our thoughts and be with our feelings and, and things like that and versus being on the go and like having all these distractions and so when you sit down and you have all that time and space to think about like okay I've been avoiding xyz I've been neglecting my family I've been I should have done this for myself I sh- I'm not taking good care of myself I'm not it's, it's about ha- being brutally honest with yourself and then you can you know be honest moving forward and and figure out what you need because as long as you know I saw a quote that said you know I I could never heal because I kept pretending I wasn't hurt and kind of the same thing if you don't if you don't if you don't admit to being scared if you don't admit to being angry if you don't admit to being stressed you're not going to be able to de-stress so that's like the first thing it's like it's like Alcoholics Anonymous 101 like the first step is acknowledging the problem like what is the problem and then you can go about I mean individual counseling is a great resource I mean just even 
when people don't feel comfortable always venting to their friends or family because they feel like there's like a judgmental part to it and that's totally Absolutely. understandable but another thing i always advocate for is just like self-care like if, if you're not exercising drinking enough water or getting enough sleep like that right there can work wonders for you if you like sleep is probably the first thing to go when we're like stressed or working too much or just have a million things to do we cut into our sleep but that's like the basic basic self-care thing is to just get enough sleep and then of course like eat a more balanced diet and, and hydrate because like when, once those things start to go it's easy to feel depressed it's easy to feel anxious and like foggy headed and things like that so it's it's much more basic than people probably think of. they think it's like a huge like i have to do some life-changing thing to feel better but right. no it's more about taking care of yourself well and it's really interesting what you mentioned about the stigmas too and i know um, brandy and i both relate to this because it's almost like when you are so busy in one role so let's say you know you're busy in that single mom role and you get stressed or you get frustrated or you get whatever I think people are so quick to be like oh she's not going to be able to handle that she's going to break she's going to do this and then when people go on to excel and achieve they're like oh my gosh that person is awesome but they don't understand everything it took to get there they don't understand the stress they don't understand that sometimes you had nights where you just cried in the shower and you had to pull yourself back together I think it goes back to that natural resiliency that you and Cecilia were talking about earlier and so I always find that so interesting the different stages that people kind of go through that you don't even see and that people have to admit to themselves yeah I uh, no I'm not always well put together I may look like it on the outside but they always say it's like that iceberg effect you see this phenomenal person up here but under the surface you have no idea everything that that individual deals with or goes through and, and what their coping skills and mechanisms are and then being able to talk to somebody and I actually wanted to bring this up I heard I was at a, a conference before and we were talking there were individuals of all diversity and they were saying that it's really difficult for African Americans community to be able to get counseling and seek out treatment because it's almost like a cultural thing that you don't go share your problems or you don't cry in public or do certain things. And I know for men, it's kind of like a masculine stereotype, like yeah, I'm not going to open up and tell you I have problems or whatever. So when you talk about those stigmas, though, how do people begin to break those down where people even want to get help? How do we get to step one? Well, my experience has been that counseling is becoming much more in, so to speak. I think, especially when like Barack and Michelle said that they had to go to couples counseling. Counseling, I think I, I really saw a difference in like people, African-American people kind of, uh, what, is, what is more normalized by somebody like Barack and Michelle than it's like, oh, if they need counseling, then like, I know I need counseling, you know? <laughs> and they're, you know, so it's, it's, it's much less stigmatized, I think, now than it was before. And I think it really helps to, and this, people do this anyway, but if you seek out somebody who you feel like can relate to your issues, like as a as an African-American, as any like Asian-American, Hispanic-American or, or whoever, you know, it's, it's really helpful to talk to someone who, who maybe looks like you who are like you know you can probably read up on their their bio whatever services they provide and if they if they what they do kind of speaks to you then th it'll be easier to kind of like kind of build that rapport and, and and talk it out and process it out and because when you're talking to someone who doesn't look like you who you don't who can't relate to what you've experienced who has no idea what you're talking about when you talk about you know certain things or say it a certain way then those all those barriers being there is going to make it much more difficult so that's where i would start is the is to look for someone who who's kind of can speak to you whether it's like what they look like or what they do, what they, what they right. specialize in. Yeah, that's some great advice. What about you, Cecily? How do you, when you're working with your clients or when you're working with community members, how do you recommend that people start healing? Where where does that place look like? I agree with Zoe about the self-care part for as a first step. You're acknowledging that there's an issue and then you are really taking better care of you because I think sometimes it's really hard to begin to take action steps when the internal voice is, you know, kind of 
keeping you stuck, if you will. So I think acknowledging that what I'm feeling is more than what I feel like I can cope with. I think, and then that happens a lot when you are, you face the things that you've been able to push down because of all the distractions that have previously been around. So I think when you are taking better care of yourself and you realize, okay, I'm sleeping better, I'm eating better, I'm exercising, there's still this weight, there's still something that I need help with. It's at that point that seeking out someone who you can talk to can be a much, I've, I've had clients where um, thankfully there have been different um, resources to kind of be birthed out of this pandemic. There is a website called uh, Therapy for Black Girls, or I may be, mis- I may be mixing the wording up, but th- those sites like that have become much more valuable during this time because for those of us who are parts of marginalized populations, seeking out or having easily accessible resources is super important. But I've had clients come in and, I'll, and if I say, hi, how are you? What brought you here? Tears immediately, like no words, just tears. Yeah. And that right there just shows the floodgates when you allow them to open. And and sometimes it's something that Zoe said made me think of a meme that it said something like, order to heal, you must feel, and then you've got a deal. So, you know, kind of <laughs> There does need to be some direct kind of let's talk about, let's deal with it. But a lot of times, once that begins to happen, you put voice to some of the things that may have been previous traumas, you begin to take away the power that those traumas have. You begin to do something called desensitizing yourself to them. And then they become, maybe the memory doesn't go away. Maybe the event that was traumatizing is something that you may think about, but it no longer results in the same level of anxiety or panic and those kinds of things. So it really, the acknowledgement and then, you know, freeing yourself of whatever weight there is to just make that initial step. Those are two of the most important things you can do, and especially during a time like what we're in now. And I, I agree with what you all said. I think exercise is so important. Sometimes I feel like people underestimate the value of just getting out, taking a walk and getting fresh air, you know, yeah. and we all know the chemicals that that releases give us those feel good emotions and lift our mm-hmm. spirits too. So I think that sometimes people definitely underestimate the value of uh, exercise. And then just taking up a hobby. What are your thoughts on that? Doing something new. You know, I actually started painting. I'm not any good at it, but I hang them up on the wall. You know, I like it. But it's, (laughs) you know, it's a a form of release. And I know some people write as a form. Some people will dance and stuff like that. So maybe getting involved in a new hobby too. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I definitely agree with taking up a new hobby or with re-engaging with a hobby that you used to have. For me, it as I got into a point in my life, I've always been an avid reader for as long as I can remember. But I had gotten to a point in my life where I only read for professional gain. So reading for leisure, actually reading a novel felt like, oh my gosh, I am. <laughs> it opened up my life. It, it, it felt so different and new to know these characters that were fictional and to not think about my own life and my work and to just allow myself to enjoy a story, you know, that somebody had created. So yeah, putting together puzzles. That's something that I said I would do for my family. Just have a puzzle going where we walk by, you can take a few minutes. Right. <laughs> pieces into the puzzle you know those kinds of things that may have kind of fallen off the radar in our busy get up and go kind of schedule that we've had before COVID now we've got time for those kinds of things so exactly yeah and I think when you look at the optimistic side of the pandemic you know that's definitely one of the good things that have come out of it is that people are engaging in more time together so ladies thank you so much do you all have any final thoughts Zoe do you have any final thoughts on the importance of healing from trauma as a 
place to start living your best life? This is very cliche, but I would say no time like the present. <laughs> Just, it, it feels like, you know, like, like the pandemic's been going on forever, but then it's it, like the time's starting to run together and people are like, well, it'll be over soon. Like, you know, just focus on today, get yourself up today, look for help today, reach out today, and you can start feeling better as soon as today, maybe even tomorrow. Right, definitely. Cicely, what about you? Definitely agree with what Zoe just said. And also I'd say, uh, know that you're not alone. So oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> during this time, <laughs> and the struggle may look different from one person to the other, yep. but you know, joining together, getting the support that you need is you'll never regret it. You will never regret reaching out and connecting with someone else for help. So definitely. Oh, I agree. And and being kind because you never know when you just said everybody wears it differently. You may see somebody with the biggest smile and think their life is great. They have it all together, yep. but you don't know what they're dealing with when you 100%. don't see them. So being kind too is a start. Brandy, what are you what about you on some final thoughts? As far as mental health is concerned, I, I'd like to take it from a religious um, um, spiritual standpoint for a lot of people who don't believe in mental health because, you know, God's got it. As a Christian woman myself, God absolutely has it. However, God gave us all talents. Your talent is what your talent is, but somebody else's talent is counseling. He put us here to do his work. And part of his work is getting us, right? So if I need to go to a counselor, because I said, God, I got to give this to you. And he leads me to a counselor, a mental health therapist. That means God is taking care of it. So, you know, that is it career paths exist because we need help in every aspect of our lives. And so recognizing that it's not a, a sham or anything and that it's so necessary and it is okay to talk to someone. And therapy has changed my life and I've never been ashamed to say that. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, ladies, thank you so much for all of the wisdom and the experience that you have shared and the expertise. We are so thankful for you to be on the show today. For more information on today's guest and today's topic, head over to ArmaniRay.com. And to all of our listeners and viewers, thank you for joining us for Start Now, a podcast to educate, entertain, inform, and inspire. You have to start sometime and you have to start somewhere, so why not start now? Thank you all again. We look forward to you joining us next time. Be safe and well. Peace.